You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. God is faithful to bless those who love and obey Him. Discover the beauty of God's faithfulness in week four of Big Deal. Listen to this message by Pastor Ayal Marquez. We are concluding our series on the big deal, and uh, so far we have talked about the blessings of God. And how many of you feel you're blessed already? Please raise your hand. Great. You know, I see that hand being raised like that. Whether you receive your Christmas bonus or not, you are blessed. Amen. Come on now. You know, our blessing or our feeling of being blessed is not dependent on whether you received your salary or your bonus or whether a promotion. But I believe it's really because of our relationship with God. And so, uh, as we conclude our series, we're just going to highlight what we talked about in the past few weeks. The first week we talked about... Uh, that the greatest blessing that we can have really is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about the promise that the covenant blessings of God is hinged on His promise and His relationship with us. And that is so important to, uh, to note, okay? It's not based on how much money you have or how much asset you have in your net worth or sal n, but the reality is if we have God, He is everything that we need. Amen. God is the source, and if you, have, if you have God, you have everything else that is needed in life. Last week, we talked about power. Basically, uh, you know, this, uh, this scripture talks about God giving us the ability to produce wealth, to confirm His covenant uh, with our fathers. And so, uh, I believe that God wants to use each and every one of us to become a channel of blessing to other people. Now, how many of you would like to become a channel of blessing? Okay. Guess what? The more you have, the more you give, and the more you'll have, okay? Because God is looking for uh, faithful people who will be a blessing to others. You know, how, you know how it is. Sometimes when you go into a restaurant, you know, if you, if you are in the, in the Lord, you know that you bring in the blessing of God anywhere you go. Do you know that? Have you ever entered a restaurant that's empty, and then you, when you enter there, people started coming? Have you ever felt that? Okay, you know, I'm not sure if, you're, if it's just me, but some, you know, I noticed that, you know, every time you come in, if it's a, you know, a restaurant or maybe a coffee shop, there's no people there. When you enter, you bring in the blessing of God, okay? It's kind of like that in life. It's just like Abraham uh, when he was uh, traveling with his nephew Lot because uh, God called Abraham to leave his country, his father, to go to another nation that he is about to show him because he will establish him as, an, uh, as his own uh, country. And so together with him was his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot because Lot was with him. Lot was also blessed together with Abraham. Do you know that you carry the blessings of God with you wherever you go? And people around you will be blessed. The question is, are you willing to be used by God to bless people around you? Okay? And then last week, we talked about the placement. or the, Is there such a thing called a place wherein God blesses and a place that God does not bless? I believe that more than any geographical location, this placement thing is really about our hearts. That we talked about last week, obedience brings us into a place of blessings. If you have a heart to obey, guess what? The the blessing of God will follow you and will overtake you. Now, tonight we are talking about what you call posterity. Everybody say posterity. It's not prosperity, but that's part of it. But posterity is talking about 
descendants or generations after us. So the first week we talked about promise. Second week we talked about power. Last week, placement. Tonight, we're going to be talking about posterity. And what does that mean? Descendants of a person or all future generations of people. And how many of you are you know, convinced that God does not just want our generation to be blessed, but He wants the next generation to be even more blessed? You know, if God blesses one generation, He makes sure that the next generation is even more blessed because God is a generational God. In fact, He introduced Himself to Moses as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three generations of patriarchs, Abraham being the grandfather, and then there's Isaac, and then, you know, extending to Jacob, and even beyond. We are recipients of the fruits of the promise that God gave to Abraham through Jesus Christ. Okay? In fact, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God shows his love to what? A thousand generations, not just three or four generations, but a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. In fact, I believe that our generation after us would even become more blessed than us. And that is, you know, that is the promise, okay? You know, I'm expecting that the next generation will even be more good-looking than you, okay? They will be more handsome than you. They will be more beautiful than us, Okay? And that is the good thing. Each generation should actually be more blessed as you pass it down from your generation to the next generation. We're talking about blessings. We're talking about prosperity and posterity. Is it just limited to an inheritance? We're concerned about this. We're concerned about passing down something from our generation to our children. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, A good man leaves an inheritance to his what? children's children, not just to his children, not just to the next generation, but even to the second generation after him. Can you imagine the longevity and the vision of a good man? Another translation is a righteous man lives an inheritance for his children's children. And I believe that that is, you know, yeah, part of the plan of God. that We will become a blessing to our family members, to the generations after us. In fact, it's rather interesting. I found an article in the internet, and it says uh, top 10 amazing inheritance stories. And I'm just going to read number two. And it says here in the second story, homeless brothers inherit over 1 million euros. Can you imagine how many of you would love that? Okay, From an estranged grandmother, a grandmother that they have not met. Now, how many of you are praying that somehow you will have a very, very rich grandmother? So the story is, there's these brothers, Zolt and Geza Ladi, who were very poor. In fact, they lived in a cave just outside Budapest, Hungary. They're very poor. They're always hungry, right? And so they would look for scrap in streets and dumpster and would sell them to junkyards. Their sister lived in America and was also in dire straits herself. Their lives changed when charity workers were told that the brother's grandmother had died in Germany as the surviving direct descendants they were legally to share uh, to a share of their grandmother's estate of 100 million euros. Wow. They did not expect that, but it just came. And I hope it, just, it did not just come to pass. 
Okay, because sometimes, you know how it is, if you get an inheritance, if you're not ready, you can just actually finish that up in your lifetime. But that's one picture, a nice picture of an inheritance, you know, blessing the next generation. But what is really our legacy that we will pass down to another generation? The question for us tonight is what legacy are we leaving behind for our children, for our children's children? There's a movie that came out many, many years ago, and I want to quote from Maximus, the gladiator. And he said this, what we do in life echoes in eternity. You know, you, you don't realize that the choices that you make definitely will have an impact, not only in your life, but in the life of your children, in the life of your children's children. You know, for example, how many of you are single here? Can you please raise your hand? Single. And you're glad. Yeah. And waiting. Okay, waiting. You know what? The choice of your spouse will have an impact to the next generation. Do you know that? Don't just settle for Mr. or Miss Cute. Because sometimes the most, you know, convenient thing to do is, Oh, he's cute. Don't worry about him not being a Christian. I'll just bring him to church. But the priority really is the heart, not the face. Hello? Because, you know, what if he does not turn himself to God? You know, what impact is that to you, your life, and the next generation after you? So whatever decision that you actually make has an impact not only in our life, but in the next generation, if you're a businessman, for example, the, the, the practices of business that you do right now will impact the future. Your integrity, the way you treat your clients, the way you treat your employees, whether you pay your taxes or not, it will have an impact. It's not about just having a lot of money, but it's really walking in the ways of God and having integrity. If you work in the government, if you're going to ask yourself, am I going to be corrupt or am I going to be straight? The Bible says a good name is better than riches. What if you chose to be in the path of corruption and you get caught? And guess what impact that will make to your children and to your children's children? We'd rather have a good name. Amen. The Bible says a good name is better than riches. And so on and so forth. We're going to talk about this in a while. Everything that we do in life. Every choice, every decision that we make will have an impact in the, in the future generations. Before you commit that act of immorality, think first. If you're willing to give up your relationship with your wife and mess up the lives of your children, think about that first. Before you engage in an illicit practice or an illegal practice in, in, uh, in business, think about the gains financially, yes. But what about the repercussions of that if you get caught and so on and so forth? Basically, when you look at this word legacy, it is similar to a sport called a relay race. You know, when I was in high school, uh, believe it or not, I used to be 100 pounds, okay? And I run the marathon, I, know, I, I run the sprint, and I run the 100 by 4 relay race, okay? So 
if you're familiar with the sport, it's not just about the speed. Of course, it's a race, so it's about speed. But the, but the objective of the game is to be able to pass the baton from the first runner. This is an actual baton. Okay? From the first runner to the next runner. Because if you fail to pass the baton, if you drop the baton, okay, you, the whole team, will be disqualified for the prize. No matter if you are the fastest in the whole league, even if you finish first, if the one who, did, who finished is not carrying the baton, that person is disqualified for the prize. So for example, can I ask uh, Rain to help me here in the demo? If I am the first runner, okay, which I am not going to really run fast tonight, okay? It's just a demo, okay? The objective is for me to be able to scientifically pass this baton, Okay? And there's an art and a skill and a grace to pass the baton from the first runner to the next runner. As I am running fast and as I approach the second runner, I need to make sure that my pace is going to be the same as his pace. If not, I'm going to overtake him. So I need to slow down a bit and make sure that the next runner is starting his pace so that we can be in the same pace as we are running together, and before I let go of this baton, I need to make sure that he is holding the baton as well, and we are running in the same pace. I don't have to stop, but I let go, and we are running together, and I make sure that he is running forward and going for it until he passes it on to the next runner. Amen? And that's a picture. Can, you, can we give a hand to Doreen? That's the picture of legacy. In reality, we are not in a marathon race. Christianity or this life as we know it is really more of a relay race. All of us have what we call a baton that we are passing down from our generation to the next generation. If there's something wrong in our family or in our, let's say, in our government. You know, this government, the Philippine government, started with, you know, heroes with a good heart. They wanted to have a free Philippines. You know, when, when the first uh, independent government was established in uh, yeah, Malolos, Bulacan, or wherever that is, okay? Uh, you know, they had it in their heart that they will actually serve the people and that we will experience freedom and there's no corruption. But now that we see, you know, it, of course, if there is corruption in the government, then maybe somebody dropped the baton. Somebody did not do his job in passing the baton properly from one generation to the next generation. I mean, if we see our family or maybe our children not obeying God and they're rebellious, then maybe, just maybe, we did not do our part in passing down the baton from ours to their generation. We got to be careful how to pass this baton. And what is the baton that we're passing? We're going to study that tonight. This is more than just passing down a financial blessing, although, although that's nice. It's more than just passing down a financial inheritance to them, although that's great. I believe there's more than that. And I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me as we read from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Beginning in verse 19. We're going to be reading... Only two verses this evening, so I'd like to invite everyone to read along with me as we read 
uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 to 20. Okay, are you ready? Let's read in unison. One, two, three. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this evening. I pray, God, that you would bless the preaching of the word. Open up our hearts to receive uh, from the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord God, that you will change our mindsets when it comes to uh, looking at the future, the next generation. So, Lord, we thank you for tonight. And we ask, our God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. You know, by this time, uh, as we have looked at the background of Deuteronomy, Moses has brought successfully the children of Israel outside of Egypt into the Red Sea, into Mount Sinai, got the law, uh, stayed for a while in the desert, and are now at the mouth of the promised land. In the wilderness, they experienced the consequences. Somehow the, the younger generation saw the disobedience of the wilderness generation. And the choices that their fathers made, the wrong choices that they made had an impact in their lives. It would have taken them only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to the plains of Moab, but it took them how many years? Circling around, how many years? 40 years because of the wrong choices and wrong decisions that they made. Now, the children looked at the older generation and only two are left, Joshua and Caleb. And there's a new batch of young uh, people that are about to enter the promised land. So Moses is basically summarizing the law. And you will notice that every time we've talked about the text, it's all about the commandments that I'm going to give you, you obey them. This thing that I'm going to remind you, you obey them. So in reality, what we're looking at is to hold fast to the commands of God. And so it's, just, it's more than just obeying any command. Because really, when you, talk, uh, when you look at the commands, the word of God is life itself. And so we're going to be looking at that in a while. Now, every single day, I believe that we make choices. Some choices are, you know... Uh, Minor choices, like, for example, if you, you know, open your wardrobe this morning and you make a decision, or what, what color am I going to wear today? Is it red? Is it green for Christmas? Is it pink? Is it black? Oh, he likes blue. So, so you make a small decisions. That's fine. It doesn't really make an impact or a big dent in the future. But, you know, some of the things that we make growing up maybe have made an impact to how we live our life today. For example... I'm not really sure if, as I said uh, in the earlier services, that, you know, sleeping can actually cause you to grow taller. I'm not really sure if that is a medical truth or a medical finding. But, uh, you, know, it, you know, when I was growing up, I'm not really someone who was fond of sleeping. Uh, you know, my, my parents would actually tell me, take a nap. I wouldn't take a nap in the afternoon. But my brother Bernard would actually just take a nap. And so I grew up. With a height of five, five and a half, somewhere there. 
And my brother Bernard is much taller than I am, and he's about 5'10", 5'11". And maybe now I realized he made the right choice. And I'm trying to sleep more. It doesn't really make an impact anymore. I wouldn't grow taller even if I sleep the whole day. Because I missed the opportunity to grow during my teenage or younger years. And so some of the choices that we make will actually have an impact in the future. You know, like for example, tomorrow when you go to work, you have a choice. You have a choice whether to be excited and victorious in your job or be defeated. Like for example, this thing. Okay? You have a choice whether to say, God, yes, Lord, thank you for this work. I'm excited. Or you go to your work, eto na naman tayo. You know, sometimes we curse our work instead of being grateful for our work. What a pitiful work. I hate my job. I hate my boss. I hate everybody in this office. I hate myself. Why am I here? You know, if we're asking all these questions, we're basically hating life, where in fact we should be thanking God for everything that we have. We have a choice. You can actually find two people working in the same environment, working in the same office, and doing totally different things. One is feeling blessed, and one is feeling the other way around. What are we going to choose tomorrow as you go to work? I know it's Christmas. It's too early for a Christmas break, okay? Let's give our best to the Lord by honoring Him through our work. Amen? Or you can actually, there's a choice between, of course, the good land. It's an easy choice. You choose the land before you that is, you know, well-watered, or you choose a land before you that is desolate. But speaking of land, you know, uh, going back to the story of Abraham and Lot, when they became successful, their land, basically their herds uh, became, uh, they multiplied a lot. And so they had to split, and they had to separate on their ways. And so Abraham told his uh, nephew Lot, I give you the first choice to choose which land you will take because I believe that God will bless me wherever I am. This is what Lot did. Lot looked at the land and he saw the land was well watered. In fact, the land that he chose was was very near Sodom and Gomorrah and we know those two cities were cities of sin. But yet, Lot decided because of what he saw with his eyes. Abraham did not look at the land. He looked to God as his source. And ultimately, God blessed Abraham more than Lot and the other relatives combined. So we don't make a decision based on what we see. We make a decision because of our relationship with God. Amen. And so, you know, I have two simple points I want to share tonight. How will our posterity be blessed? Or how will we pass down our blessing from our generation to the next generation? Do we have to, you know, make the right investment? Maybe choose the right mutual fund? Maybe the right company, the right bank? Is that what we need to do? Maybe for a portion of it, but is that the biggest concern that we should have as parents? Going back to the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 30, reading a few verses ahead of uh, verse 19, this is just to look at the context of where Moses was uh, leading his people. And he said in verse 11, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. 
nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. In verse 14, it says, No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may what? You may obey it. And the first thing that we need to understand if we're to pass on the blessings of God is really put importance to the word of God. Amen. That is one of the best investments that we can have. Believe it or not. Here we go again. Si pastor na naman. Word na naman. Believe it or not. That's it. More than anything else. I mean, you can actually go to the best, finest universities in the planet. You know, they will not teach you what the Word of God says. Because the Word of God is counterculture. You know, give, and it shall be given to you. Press down, shake it together, running over. This is not taught in the accounting department of, you know, my university. In order for you to, to gain more, hoard. Hoard, and you will have more. That's what being taught out there. But the Bible says, give, and it will be given to you. I mean, how, how do you add that? You know, I finished accounting, and I am a CPA, okay? You know, you know what it is, right? Chicken pork adobo, right? Okay, so... <laughs> You know, I'm a CPA, and I, you know, we, I studied this, okay? There's a balance between the books. Asset equals liabilities plus capital. And the more assets you have, it has to balance itself here on the other side, okay? Whether it's liabilities, guess what? The more liabilities, sometimes they're saying, you've got to leverage. You've got to have more liabilities. You've got to use other people's money in order for you to gain. But is that really what the Word of God is saying? Sometimes the Word of God is saying the opposite, and this is the paradox of life. In order for you to be the first, you got to be the last. What? I mean, sometimes you can't understand the Word of God. I mean, what do you mean by that? You know, because the people of the world are saying that you got to be, you got to lord it over them. But Jesus is saying, you got to be a servant of all. You got to learn how to serve. And the Word of God really has divine truths that many of the people around you will never understand. Now, it's, uh, here in, the, in, in verse 11, it says, Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult. Everybody say, not too difficult. It's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. You don't have to be a Bible scholar or a pastor to understand the Word of God. All you got to do is to open the Bible. How many of you have a Bible? It's good to open it from time to time, Okay. I mean, if you have a Bible, don't just put the Bible on your desk or in the car. You open the Bible and read it, what it says. You know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a theologian or maybe spend about 20 units in theology in order for you to figure out that killing is wrong. How many of you know that killing is wrong? Right? I mean, the Bible says simply, thou shall not kill. You don't have, it's, it's simple. The Word of God is saying it is not beyond reach. It's not difficult. And yet, why is it that people commit this mistake by crossing or going against the Word of God? How many of you know that stealing is wrong? Right? Wrong. Is it? Some saying, Pastor, talaga ba? Hindi area yun? No, it's, the Bible says, thou shalt not steal. You shall, to, you, know, you shall not lie. You shall not commit adultery. You know, the Bible is simply saying, if you're going to be successful in your family and in passing down to the next generation, you've got to be faithful to your wife. You've got to have only but one wife. Amen. 
Even the wisest man who reminded us in Proverbs 5 to 7, it said, he said, thou shall not commit adultery. You know, be, beware of the adulteress. And how many wives did he have? 300 wives, 700 concubines, 1,000 women in his life. Can you imagine that? It'll take you three years before you go back to the first woman with one night, with one day. In, can you imagine? It simply does not work. At the end of his life, he said, you know, I made a mistake. The whole counsel of God is this, fear God and obey his commands. And he turned around. The word of God makes sense. In life, we make a lot of choices. Tonight, you're going to make a choice whether to, you know, eat in this restaurant or that restaurant or maybe watch a movie. That's a great choice. But in eternity, there are only two choices. You only choose heaven or hell. You choose life or death. You choose blessings or curses. Two choices. To obey the word of God or to disobey the word of God. Very simple. If you find the truth of God's word in front of you, the question is, am I going to obey or not? Verse 14, it says, The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. Now, how many of you would like to be prosperous and successful? Can you please raise your hand? This is no trick question. I'm raising my hand as well. We all like to become prosperous and successful. But is there a connection between the word of God and being prosperous? Is it just enough for us to have the right connection and maybe... You know, go to the best university like uh, UP yeah, or Ateneo. You know, and, you know, maybe come from the right family, have the right family name, have the, you know, have the, you know, uh, or maybe have the right accent. Is that what it takes to be successful? In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. But meditate on it when? Day and night, every single day. Not just once a week on Sundays. Not just twice a week on Easter and Christmas. But every day. So that what? You may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. Many people put that as their goal. Wherein that is actually the reward. You don't have to put the goal... To prosper and to succeed. Guess what? That is God's reward to the righteous. All you got to do is to look at the word, meditate on it day and night, and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to obey this word. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Does that make sense? You know, sometimes it may be difficult, but it's really not difficult. That's why the Bible says in Deuteronomy, this is not too difficult. It should be simple. Even young children will understand what I'm talking about. You know, I have friends that are members of this church who are pilots. And, um, you know, when they are flying a plane, and I have ridden countless times, you know, in a plane, whether domestic or abroad. You know, and there are times wherein you feel some turbulence. How many of you have actually experienced that? You know, when you're riding a plane, and then suddenly you're dropping for... You know, for, me, for maybe about 20 feet or maybe, I don't know, 50 feet. Whoa. And sometimes your heart is in your head already, you know, boom. 
And you're sensing, Lord, is this it? You know, and it happened to me several times. And the pilot would actually give a warning. Ding! You know, the seatbelt sign is on. You make sure you fasten your seatbelt. And that's probably because of some turbulence in the, in the front and haziness where they're going when the pilot will not be able to see where they're driving or flying. If the clouds are out and there's too much fog, how do they navigate? They always go back to the instruments, to the digital panels, right? Because that particular instrument will actually tell the pilots where they are exactly, how far they are from the last airport, and how far they're from to the next airport. Okay, they will tell you exactly if they're going the right way or they're veering off from the path. And guess what? The Word of God is similar to the instruments that the pilot has in the plane. Sometimes in our life, we have confusion. We have a lot of difficulties. There's so much... uh, there's so much uh, uh, fog uh, right in front of us. And you, if you go back to the Word, the Bible says the Word of God is his, the lamp uh, over our feet and the light unto our path. It's the Word of God that guides us. Amen? We always go back to God's Word. So that's very important. If you want to pass down the, generate, the, the legacy to your children, make sure that you use the Word of God. We see that also in Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you and your children and their children, three generations, after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all His decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Don't just read it. Live it. Make it become a part of you. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. In other words, every opportunity that you have, you talk about the Word of God. Verse 8, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. It simply means that everywhere you go, you make it ubiquitous. You know, we bought our children... Uh, early on, uh, a Bible. In fact, we've been uh, using this digital Bible. In, uh, it's in, entitled Beginner's Bible. And in the growing up years of my daughters, uh, Anna and Andrea, I've been reading this Bible every night. And, you know, we've gone through it several times. And it's a simple Bible that really speaks the truth of God's Word. After this, we shifted to the Jesus Storybook Bible. You know, if you're uh, a parent with uh, kids age maybe six and uh, up, this is one of the best Bibles that I can recommend for you to get. Every story in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament speaks about Christ. In every story. Whether it's a story about Daniel and the Tower of Babel and the Genesis creation, it's all about pointing to Christ. And it's a nice Bible. And so we've established that in their hearts early on. And now what we're doing is we're kind of shifting them to read the regular Bible on their own. And we're now reminding them. Are you reading your Bible? Yes, Dad. Are you reading your Bible? Yes, Dad. So every day, you know, when you, go to the, when you go to school, as I bring them to school, I always ask, did you read your Bible? Not yet, Dad. Okay, read your Bible right now while I'm driving as you go through traffic. Impress them. Talk about it. We talk about the Word of God regularly. You know, it's most, uh, many times it's always teaching moments. We take every opportunity to teach them the Word of God. So that's the first thing that we 
passed down to them the word of God. Verse 15, it says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways. Everybody say, to walk in his ways. To walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrease and loss. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will what? Bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So first is the word of God. Second is the ways of God. You know, God is spirit. He is an invisible God. How do we see the ways of God? It's only when you start living it. Don't just talk about the Bible. Live the word. In fact, uh, some of the sociological studies suggest that the reason why many children grow up to be insecure is when they listen their parents say one thing and live another thing. It is the cause of insecurity among the children. So make sure if you're talking about you know, honoring people, respect other people. Make sure that you are also doing that in your own household. Because even if you say that, and then your children watch you, how you treat your helpers and your maids, and you're treating them without respect, they're starting to ask, uh, how is it that, you know, they say you got to respect, and yet they don't respect the people in our house. Make sure that who you are inside is consistent with who you are outside the home, the ways of God. The Department of Education actually, uh, I think just early uh, August, has uh, done this. The DepEd changed the vision statement and they removed the God-loving part. Can you imagine? Because they were actually pressured by a group called Free Thinkers. And uh, there is a group of atheists from the Philippines that lobbied to, to take that particular statement from the vision statement. Can you imagine? You know, I would rather keep that because when you talk about children, it's not about love for learning that we're interested in giving to them. I believe that they need to grow up with moral values and a love for God. And, you know, they have tried removing this particular thing in their statement, and yet look around us, and we've allowed our, our pop culture to influence and preach theology to our children. But we better be careful with what our children watch and listen to. Because we are also the keepers of the values in our home. Ways of God. How are we in exemplifying and giving an example and modeling that before our children? You know, yesterday was uh, the race for life. Not really sure if you uh, joined that, but we had fun. There's, uh, not really sure about the final number, about 8,000 plus, I think, runners went there. The registration was closed because it's already full. The biggest part of the race is the 3K race, the body run. And so this is the first time that my daughter, Andrea, joined the race. This is the second time for Anna. My, uh, my, my, my youngest is Andrea, the one with the cap. And so the motivation for her is, you know, you're going to run the race and you can eat your choice of breakfast. Whatever breakfast you want, you will eat. So she was excited, you know. Uh, uh, just uh, preparing for the race. I'm going to join you, Dad. I'm going to run with Anna. And uh, we're going to finish uh, together. And so they slept early that evening, the Friday evening. Woke up really early, about 3.30. We left the house at 4. And so we arrived uh, the the assembly place at about 5.10. And so we waited. And so we were just taking pictures. And so they were like, you know, 
excited, you know, to, I'm not really sure if they're excited to run or to eat afterwards. And so I'm not really sure about the motivation. So the race began. And so Anna ran and Andrea rode. <laughs> so I'm not really sure if she understood about the race for life is about running and then walking. But she combined it with biking. I mean, with, uh, you know, riding a scooter or what do you call that? Scooter, okay? And so finally, after, in fact, it was uh, one of the young uh, children, the son of Pastor Chico was there, uh, Julio. And he was running fast, overtook us. And when he saw Andrea riding a scooter, hey, that's cheating. And so, uh, you know, I had to explain that, you know, actually, this is just a fun race, okay? So don't be too intense, okay? And so finally, we finished the, the race. And uh, we were kind of celebrating. We met uh, different runners from different churches. And so right after the race, they had a choice of restaurant where they want to eat. Of course, that's in Ross Boulevard. So we uh, decided to just, just eat there, somewhere there. And so we, they chose Pancake House. So they uh, ordered their meal. And Andrea ordered uh, her choice meal for the day, okay, which is a chocolate chip pancake. Okay? And when she ordered that, she was actually smiling. And she said, this is my favorite. I want, I'm going to enjoy the pancake after my race. <laughs> so Anna ordered beef tapa. I ordered bangus. And Andrea was staring at Anna's plate. As if, I think I made the wrong choice. <laughs> and she finished her plate early. And as she was looking and watching me eat and Anna eat, she was kind of taking one meat at a time from the plate of Anna. And I said, do you want some more? And she said, yeah, what do you want? I want beef tapa. So I, I said, okay, you get another beef tapa. Look at the difference in her smile. From the pancake to the beef tapa. Well, daddy... Just fulfilled his promise when I said, whatever you like, you get and you eat. And, you know, we exemplify the ways of God in the simple things that we do and model before our children. That of integrity, that of valuing each other, that of, you know, putting them as a priority. You know, the small things, simple joys, just spending time with them really speaks a lot to them. And so the Word of God is important. The ways of God is what we also need to impart to them on a daily basis. And so I want to go back to the first text that we've read in verse 19. It says, This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. What does that mean? You know, when I do a, a, a marriage or a wedding, I would uh, normally introduce, you know, we're gathered here today uh, before Almighty God and in the presence of all these witnesses to join together these two people into one. And, you know, we're before the witnesses, the guests that are there. But Moses was saying that the covenant of God, when it comes to the blessings of God, the witnesses is no other than heaven and earth. In other words, everybody is subject to this. How many of you are on earth? Can you please raise your hand? And when you look up, how many of you are under heaven? So that is what it means. I call heaven and earth as witnesses to the covenant of God before you. I have set before you today life and death, blessings and curses. Now what? Choose life. And Moses spoke this to the people as you enter the promised land. There are choices that you will face Every single day, blessings 
or curses, life or death. Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is what? Your life. God himself is the one that sustains us. God himself is the life giver. God himself is the reason for our being. And he will give you many years in the land. He swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Very simple point I want to leave with you is choose life. Choose life. Tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, you have choices to make. Choose life. You are presented before you. You're going to be tempted, you know, whether to be unethical in your business practice. Choose life. When you go alone in your room and you're presented with a temptation, whether to go to an internet site that is not honoring to the Lord, choose life. You're going to go and, you know, uh, fulfill a commitment that you have or not, choose life. What is it that you will choose every single day? I hope that we will make a decision today as a people of God. If we're presented blessings or curses, we'll choose the blessings of God and we will choose to obey. I remember the story of this man named Jonathan Edwards. He uh, was uh, born in the 1700s, born in 1703, one of the most brilliant minds that America produced uh, or had. And, uh, you know, he was a theologian, an author, a pastor, and he became the first president of Princeton University. He and his wife were uh, blessed with 11 children, okay? Uh, and he loved them and he spent regular times with them. Together with him, actually during about his time, this contemporary, there's this other guy named Max Duke. Jonathan Edwards was a righteous man. Max Duke was actually a criminal. I just want to highlight in the next 200 years, what kind of descendants came out from their lineage. Jonathan Edwards' descendants, he had 13 college presidents, 200 preachers, 60 prominent leaders, 90 doctors, 32 authors, 6 professionals, 300 farmers. There's actually a lot more. There's about 6 judges, 3 uh, members of Congress, and 1 vice president of the United States. Out of one man that set the pace of following and obeying God, this came out from him. And another guy named Max Duke. He had a disregard for the law of God, produced 90 prostitutes in his lineage, 100 criminals, 145 confirmed drunkards, 300 delinquents, 285 contracted various social diseases, and so on and so forth. The, the descendants of Jonathan Edwards became a blessing to society. The descendants of Max Duke cost millions of dollars to rehabilitate his descendants, and became not really a blessing to the society. The choices that we make every day will have a lasting impact, not only in our generation, but in the generations after us. Choose life, because if you choose life, you choose God. Because God is life. Jesus, you know, reminded us, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by him. Jesus is the ultimate life giver. He died the death we should have died, and he lived the life we should have lived. He purchased this life for us. He gave us meaning. The enemy comes to steal, can destroy. Jesus comes to give us life and life 
that is so abundant. We hope you were inspired by that message. Be updated on podcasts and events, and even follow a Bible reading plan by downloading the Victory Alabang app for all Apple and Android mobile devices. Thank you, and stay connected.